You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Kings, and we have finally made it to the NBA's opening week. The Sacramento Kings will start their season Wednesday when they will host the Houston Rockets. The NBA begins on Tuesday with two games and some great games on Tuesday with the Cavaliers and the Celtics and the Warriors and the Rockets. So the Rockets will be at Golden 1 for a second night of a back-to-back. So today on the podcast, we are making our previews and some predictions in the NBA's Western Conference. We could do the East as well, but I know you guys care more so about the Kings and about the NBA's Western Conference. So let's do that. I'm going to give you my picks, and I'll evaluate them at the end of the year and see how wrong I am. But I'm going to kind of go team by team, tell you what I like, what I don't like, and we'll do it by division. So we'll start first with the uh, Denver Nuggets in their division. And Denver is a team that I feel like I may be wrong about more than any other team. They're a tough team for me to predict because I haven't been as high on Denver as a lot of other people. I've looked at a lot of different analysis on the, or analysts on this, and more people than not have Denver making the playoffs. And I'm not quite sure they're ready to get there. Starting lineup should be something that is solid. I know they don't love their point guard play of Moutier. They like Jamal Murray. They're okay with Jameer Nelson, but I think the backcourt isn't extremely strong with Moutier and Gary Harris, the likely starters. Wilson Chandler, Will Barton will come off the bench. Nikola Jokic is a fabulous young big man, and then Paul Millsap is who everybody's excited about. But uh, Kenneth Fareed, you know, they've got a lot of different types of players, a team that scores, a team that's good at home, and it still surprises me that a team under coach Michael Malone doesn't defend very well, but that's something they will try to be better at. But Denver is a team that I like, but I don't love. And I don't love, I should say, as much as everybody else. But Denver should be an interesting watch. I think they will be entertaining. They're a quirky team in the fact that in the past, they have bothered a team like the Golden State Warriors. So you can see how they could beat some elite teams, but they also um, kind of aren't consistent. And so as we look at the Northwest, I start there with the Denver Nuggets. We transition into the Minnesota Timberwolves, the team that probably has transform themselves the most out of any team in the NBA, and they've got the longer drought of making the playoffs than the Sacramento Kings. But Minnesota, I love their offseason. Obviously, you have to because their young guys you hope are getting better, and that is Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns. They made the move from Ricky Rubio. They added Jeff Teague. They have Jimmy Butler, Taj Gibson, all quality veterans, Jamal Crawford, Georgie Jang. I think they're a little bit thin defensively, They're going to have to find enough shooting. I think Jamal Crawford instantly is their best shooter. Carl Anthony Towns also may be their best long-distance shooter. But um, it's a significant jump that this team is going to need to make. And people think they can make the playoffs. I'm one of them as well. And I'll tell you at the end where I have them as far as the top eight. But it is a big jump from where they were a year ago to get all the way in. Are they just going to get in at eight? Are they going to jump all the way to four or five? And I know in the podcast last week with Jerry Reynolds, he thought they'd have some trouble getting in. And a few other people are saying that, but others have them as high as four or five. But I I like what they've done. The one thing they need to do is is defend much better, which is generally a trademark of a Tom Thibodeau team. But uh, this team has had trouble doing that. So Minnesota in the Northwest should have a strong, strong season. The Oklahoma City Thunder, again, another team with a lot to like because they've got the reigning MVP in Russell Westbrook, who did resign, has a great contract, elected to stay there, and he can flat out play. You love uh, the other additions of Paul George, which was a curious no-one-saw trade coming, but I think a great deal for the Thunder. 
They also recently added Carmelo Anthony, but still kept Steven Adams and the rest of the core. Roberson will be their, one of their stronger perimeter guys. Doesn't give you much offense. I like the addition of Patrick Patterson. Billy Donovan's getting more and more comfortable. To me, the, the, the few question marks that the Oklahoma City Thunder have are games when baskets at the end will be uh, on emphasis and a close game. Is the ball going to be in Westbrook's hands more or Carmelo or Paul George? And so I think these are all things that they can figure out, but I also can see a team that, remember when Miami was first constructed with LeBron, Wade, and Bosch, they started very slowly. And then they found their their groove. But I think inside that, it kind of was established that LeBron was the best player. And we, I know we can all say that easily, but Wade was the franchise. And Wade was still a really good player. And I think he backed down a little bit. And I think the guy that backed down the most was Chris Bosch. He came from Toronto and was a double-double machine and an all-star. They all still were successful. They all still were all-stars. They all still were NBA champions. But you almost have to have like a one, and you can have a 1A and a 1B, but you can't have three ones. And I think it has to be Westbrook as the main guy. And if Paul George and Carmelo Anthony not just completely back down, they can still have nights where they're the leading scorers and the big key contributors. But I think they can make it work. Uh, but I also think there could be some bumps early on with the Oklahoma City Thunder. All right, our next team that we're going to look at in the Northwest Division is the Portland Trailblazers. And Portland continues to find ways to make the NBA playoffs. Their decision last year to add uh, Yusuf Nurkic really helped them because when he was tagged on, added on, he was tremendous. And I think what was so good for him, it helped complement the two guards of Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. But I, I wonder overall, after that, the depth and the shooting that they have behind those two great shooters. And I feel like there's some repeat players in Al-Faruq Aminu and Mo Harkless. Um, not a tremendously uh, dominating talent roster. Even the repeats at the bigs with Nurkic, uh, Myers Leonard, they draft Collins. They're not all the same, but just I don't see a lot of discrepancy between the, the five guys that will not only start but come off the bench as well. And then the last team in the Northwest, the Utah Jazz. And Utah, I am really impressed with this team because they're well-coached. They never seem to have this overwhelming talent. But what they do have now is, you know, because they, their offseason was a tough one for them. Losing uh, Gordon Hayward certainly was, was a big loss for them. George Hill was a big loss for them. But adding Ricky Rubio makes them a little bit different. Donovan Mitchell, they seem to like. Joe Johnson is still an effective uh, veteran. Uh, Tabo Sevalosha, these are all subtle moves that I think were good. Um, you added Jonas Jerebko. Rodney Hood starting to develop into a, a really good young player. Rudy Gobert is a sensational big. Derek Favors really needs to start to blossom. Alec Burks, if he could be healthy. Just overall, I think it's a it's a intriguing roster. Not a, not a lot of all-stars there. But again, a team that's well-coached. They kind of have their identity, and they seem to figure it out. And uh, last year... They did the same and made it to round two of the NBA playoffs. All right, we're going to continue our preview as we move on to the next division of the NBA. We covered the uh, Northwest. Now let's go to the Southwest. Traditionally, this has been one of the best divisions in basketball, but it's a little bit shaken up this year. We're going to start with the Dallas Mavericks. And Dallas has what I think is one of the best coaches in the NBA in Rick Carlisle. I've always been impressed with him, how he manages games, handles timeouts, handles his roster, gets the most out of his players. He's going to have to work some magic. I think Dallas Mavericks roster is thin. I don't I don't see a lot of again, I, I'm big on high level talent and, and where that can take you. Dirk, of course, is a Hall of Famer. 
Uh, they're very high on Dennis Smith Jr., but when you're relying on a rookie to to carry you, I think that's asking a lot. And then, you know, Harrison Barnes and Curry and, you know, the guys that are on their roster are nice pieces, but I feel like they're pieces, not, you know, Wesley Matthews has not quite been the same guy after injury. Just a just an okay roster, a, a team that's going to win games because they're well-coached, Nerland's Noel, that kind of thing, but it's just, it doesn't blow me away. Uh, with what they can throw out there every night in the Southwest Division. The team that does impress me is the Houston Rockets. This team was incredible offensively, and I know they lost some of their overall depth, but I think they're going to even be better offensively. They're going to shoot the three even more. And with Chris Paul, along with James Harden, I think they'll be able to figure that out maybe easier than OKC can in late-game situations. Also, Ryan Anderson and Eric Gordon will continue to launch. Clint Capella is a nice fit for what they do. And, you know, just even the subtle moves, I'm always a big fan of that as well. And I mentioned some of the other teams so far, but the subtle moves of adding defensive guys and tough guys in PJ Tucker and Luke Bamute, uh, guys that can also stretch it a little bit and hit the three. Tucker can guard a lot of different positions. I think Houston did a really nice job in the offseason and they've been good before, but I feel like they're a legitimate threat now with what that offense can do nightly. And if you're not ready for that offense, and they have one of those nights where they connect, they're going to embarrass people this year. I mean, they really are going to have one of those nights. And it'll go the other way when they're not hitting threes, but they're going to shoot 40, 50 threes a game and hit and break their own NBA record. I mean, I can see a night, maybe they shoot 60 and make 28, 30, something like that. It's just going to be crazy the amount of threes that they're going to take. All right, the Memphis Grizzlies is the next team that we look at. And Memphis added a couple kings to the mix and uh, Tyreek Evans and Ben McLemore. But this roster is going to be highlighted, obviously, by their their two best players, and it's Mike Conley and Marcus Gasol. I'm a big fan of both of those guys. I think they play hard. I think they play well together. But then the rest of the roster is flooded with guys that they're hoping either develop into something or, yeah, I mean, that's what they're to, – to help boost what Gasol and Conley can do. You know, guys like James Ennis, Gerald Martin, Jermichael Green that play well for Memphis, Wade Baldwin, but we're just not used to seeing them – um, carry that team. They're, they are carried by Gasol and Conley, and they will take them far, but I don't know how far. I'm impressed with their coach, David Fisdale, but they've lost a little bit of pieces here and there, and I think that's going to ultimately uh, show up for them. Next team in the division, and I know a lot of Kings fans will have an eager eye on this team, and that is the New Orleans Pelicans. Of course, they've got DeMarcus Cousins, and Anthony Davis, Rajon Rondo is there, though he's hurt to start the season. This team, I, I mean, I like Drew Holiday as well, but I just don't see enough um, space guys to help with the two bigs. I don't see enough uh, shooting. I don't see enough of other players. Tony Allen is added. He's a tough guy, a guy that can help on any roster, but Cousins and Davis will will make them unique. I think there'll be a lot of nights in an NBA season when teams – don't get a lot of time to prepare for those two bigs and may not be fully equipped to handle those two bigs. Well, they'll they'll get some wins. But again, I see a, a thinner roster, uh, not a lot of depth, especially behind Cousins and Davis. Small forward and shooting guard, very questionable for that team. And I think it could be a year in which if they fall short, and it's looking like they're going to fall short, I could see them making a move at the trade deadline, being that DeMarcus Cousins is in the final year of a deal. And then the last team, from that division has been the uh, perennial, the uh, best team in that division, and that is the San Antonio Spurs. 
Not predicting their uh, complete downfall, but I'm not as high on the Spurs this year as maybe I have been in the past. I think they're a little bit thinner on overall roster talent. They're counting on more young guys than maybe before. They usually find guys that we go, how is that guy even making them better? I like the Rudy Gay addition. LaMarcus Aldridge, Kawhi Leonard, Pau Gasol, that all sounds good. But you're getting closer to the end for Tony Parker. DeJounte Murray, they're going to ask a lot. Patty Mills. Ginobili, Danny Green, they'll they'll make the most of all those guys, Kyle Anderson, Davis Bertans. But it's just it doesn't wow you, but that's what I guess San Antonio does, right? They they find ways to win. They're incredibly well coached, and I would expect nothing different from the San Antonio Spurs. All right, now let's go to the Pacific Division. Of course, Kings fans are always uh, concerned about that. And that starts with the Golden State Warriors, the best team in the NBA, the best team in the division. And scary enough, I think they got better. They added more depth, kept all of their guys, which was really an amazing offseason. And I think some of the rest of what the Warriors did, if you kind of backtrack to their signing order, remember everybody was kind of targeting Andre Iguodala. I think what could have started the domino effect is if people actually went after Sean Livingston. Livingston signed a very team-friendly contract. That was a guy I wanted the Kings to go after. But I thought if someone came in and offered him maybe a way higher deal than than the others expected. I think the Warriors would have let him walk. And then it just there might have been a little bit of a domino effect. But instead, they signed Livingston. Iguodala ended up getting a little bit more money out of the Warriors than maybe they wanted to give him. Found a way to keep Zaza. They got uh, David West back in the mix. You know, they did lose Ian Clark and Matt Barnes, a few things. But adding Omri Caspi is a great fit. Swaggy P. And then, of course, their four studs are all still there. Durant, uh, Draymond. Steph and Clay, and yeah, they're the class of the NBA, certainly the class of the Pacific Division, and I do believe they definitely got better. The Clippers are still good. They're different. They lose Chris Paul. They add Patrick Beverly. I think that's going to be a unique difference for them. He's not as good as Chris Paul, but defensively, he's tough. Gives them a different approach, a different attitude. Uh, The two guard, they no longer have J.J. Redick but they're going to look different likely with Austin Rivers and some other mix there. Lou Williams coming off the bench is a great professional bench scorer. And then the front court is strong. DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin, and Danilo Gallinari. I like the Clippers. I think they're a little bit deeper than before. They're different. Um, They're not a uh, Western Conference finals threat in my opinion, but some people have them falling out of the playoffs. I certainly don't see that. The Lakers got a lot of attention for their summer. I think they did have a good summer. I think they had a good draft. I think Lonzo Ball is going to be very good for them. There'll be a lot of hype. I know everybody will get disgusted with the hype if they're not already there. Um, And then I think they also made a really good decision because they're a good example in when we're talking even relating this to the Kings. And I always say they got to find some of these young players to develop, to be their core. If you just go back a year, maybe a year and a half, everybody was saying, oh, you know what's so great about the Lakers? I love their young core of Clarkson, of Randall, and Russell. Do you still do? You know, Russell's already gone. Randall's okay. Clarkson's okay. I tell you what, I like their younger core now of Kuzma, if he becomes a guy who's been very pleasant surprise, Lonzo Ball, and Brandon Ingram. I think that core is going to take them farther than the previous one. So sometimes you have to cycle through that for a while, and the Lakers don't have all the pieces yet, but I think they're on their way, sadly, to getting to where they want to go, but sadly for Kings fans and other teams that I don't think it's happening this year. I really don't. I think they're a little overhyped this year, but I think they're doing this the right way too. Uh, the Phoenix Suns, a team similar to the Lakers, a team similar to the Kings that has struggled, that has a ton of young players, but I feel like their young core is one piece that I really like, and that's Booker 
and then the front court's thin. I'm not sure if I'll, Bender and Chris will work. They're okay. Um, Tyson Chandler, they probably should move. They should probably move Bledsoe. I mean, there, there's some things. You know, Josh Jackson will probably end up being a, a key piece for them going forward with Booker. But again, they're not there yet. They're very young, and they're just going to keep trying to develop players, and they certainly have a plan. And then the last team, of course, we've talked a lot about the Sacramento Kings, obviously, on a daily basis here. But in that same realm where they're trying to identify the young core, uh, the young guys that they want to be a part of their future, and that'll be important to the long-term success of this franchise. I've been giving you previews of what other people have said about the Sacramento Kings. I got another one from the NBA's Sports Illustrated NBA preview of what they say about the Kings. Here's a couple of notes on their write-up about the Kings. When all-star center DeMarcus Cousins was traded to the Pelicans last February, he left behind a vacuum, one that gave the rest of the Kings roster room to breathe. Willie Cauley-Stein looked at looked promising at center new arrival buddy healed averaged 15 points per game on 48 percent shooting and looked like a legitimate starter and after a disappointing freshman year at kentucky sent him tumbling to the 28th pick in the 2016 draft 611 scala had nights where he looked like lottery talent that scouts had fallen in love with when he was in high school lavisier averaged 17.3 points per 36 minutes after cousins was traded now there's another new layer of talent lightning quick guard De'Aaron fox will pair with the steadying hand of George Hill at the point. Small forward Justin Jackson is fresh off a national title at North Carolina, and Bogdan Bogdanovich arrives from Europe with a dead-eye touch. There are intriguing young players in Sacramento, surrounded by the right veteran, Zach Randolph, Vince Carter, to help them grow for a franchise that's been spinning its wheels for the past decade. That is progress. All right, so that's the write-up on the Kings, and then they also had a rival scout sizing up the Sacramento Kings. I thought you'd like to hear this as well. I love that they enter this season fresh without DeMarcus Cousins' trade and free agency talk hanging over them. They can play free and happy. Cousins is talented, but it wasn't worth turning over their franchise direction to him. I understand people who question how good they can be if George Hill is their best player, but he is a good two-way player and a leader, which they needed. I like that they can run the, he can run the point, and he can play alongside their rookie De'Aaron Fox. Fox has all-star potential long-term, and I don't see anyone else on the roster who you can say that about. His speed gets compared to John Wall, but that's unfair for any rookie point guard. With his size, I'm worried about how long he can stay on the court. He needs to build out a jumper and prove he can run an offense. Buddy Heald will be better this year because he can settle into a role. Their offense is going to come from lots of different sources rather than just leaning on him. Justin Jackson at a good summer league, he's always up to stuff. I don't see a huge ceiling for him, but he can be a solid, steady pro for 12 years. Bogdan Bogdanovich is a great shooter. He's ready to hit the ground running. He's a really good catch-and-shoot player. If he gets a clean look, you think it's going in. Willie Cauley-Stein isn't as experienced as Costa Kufis, but he's the guy you want to groom as the center of the future. His offensive game is very limited, but he is active, and he gets above the rim to challenge shots. You want his motor on the middle of your defense. So that was the Sports Illustrated scout and or NBA scout and Sports Illustrated write-up on the Sacramento Kings. So with all that said, kind of talking about a little bit about each team in the Western Conference, I wanted to give you who I think is going to make the playoffs, kind of the projected order, 1 through 15. And again, my opinion, yeah, you know you guys will have your own and uh, differing thoughts on this, but uh, as I kind of looked at everybody and as I've been watching people in the preseason based on what everybody did in the offseason, here's how I have the layout and uh, some very predictable, some maybe not, but here we go. From top to bottom, from number one to 15, I have the Golden State Warriors, surprise, surprise, as the best team in the West. I think they will finish first with the best record. Number two, 
Houston Rockets. I think Mike D'Antoni has found a system, a, a great place to be, a roster that fits. This team is going to launch and hit a ton of threes, and on a nightly basis in the regular season, they are going to be a handful. They are going to be a pain. I don't know how deep they can go in the playoffs, but they are going to be so dangerous nightly, and uh, I think Kings fans will see that firsthand in the first game coming up on Wednesday. Number three, normally a spot top two or top three will be housed by the San Antonio Spurs. I don't have them there. I have Oklahoma City. I love their top-level talent. I like that they kept Steven Adams. I liked even some of the, again, the subtle moves. Patrick Patterson should help them. They didn't lose a lot from last year while they added more. And if you think about an organization in a short amount of time that they've been in Oklahoma City, think about the players that they've had. They've had James Harden. They had Kevin Durant. They do have Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and Carmelo Anthony. Legends of the game. And they've got they've all had them in Oklahoma City. Just creative work, how they've been able to do that. And a lot of it started, obviously, with the draft, drafting the first three. So incredible, incredible job there. Number four, can't push them down too far, the San Antonio Spurs. They're still a great coach, an experienced team, a team that knows how to win, and some good talent. Kawhi Leonard is is great. And I just um, I hope Rudy Gay does well there, and I have San Antonio finishing four. So Golden State, Houston, OKC, San Antonio, one through four. The back half of the NBA's Western Conference playoff picture to me, this one I have higher than almost anybody that I've seen, and I don't know why I do. I don't have an infatuation with the team, but I think the Clippers are going to find their way there. I really do. I like their front court. I think their back court is still good. I think Doc Rivers is a solid coach. Uh, They're a little bit deeper, and I think, again, on a nightly basis, that trio of a front court will be tough. So maybe I'm overshooting the Clippers, but I got them at five. Number six, everybody's darling this offseason, Minnesota. I do have them in. I don't know if they're going to jump as high as the top four, as some have them. But I have them coming in at six. A little worried about their defense and their shooting. But Minnesota, I mean, Carl Anthony Towns is just fantastic. Number seven, again, another team that I have in that most people do not, and that is Utah. They lost George Hill. They lost Gordon Hayward. But Gobert is, is blossoming into one of the game's great young players. They defend on a nightly basis they may have to win games 88 86 but I think they can do that and good home court and I just think they have played enough together with the young guys and the core people that are there I think Utah won't slip as much you know they were a five seed a year ago so I I have them dropping a little bit but still staying in the top eight and the last team I have getting that eight spot no it's not the Kings I don't I have Portland and some have Portland higher some have them out they're kind of the, the team that you know, Portland, Memphis, Denver are the hardest ones for me to to kind of and Utah really. I feel like I feel good about the first six making it. Seven through about eleven, I think, are very interchangeable. But I do have Portland making it based on that strong backcourt. Now injuries will change all of this, but I'm assuming everybody is going to be healthy. So are the Blazers at eight. The rest of the field, I did put Memphis at nine. Um, at Conley and Gasol, I think, are going to keep them close. Denver at 10, and Denver's a team that most people have in. I just don't, I'm not quite. Uh, New Orleans at 11, and I could see it if it goes south, a move of DeMarcus Cousins. I do put the Kings at 12. I don't know what that win total is going to be, but I have them 12, certainly uh, on the outside looking in. The Lakers at 13. I have Dallas all the way down to 14. That, that one could be too far for them down. And then Phoenix, I believe, will be 15th in the West. So... There you go. I'll keep I'll keep this all season long and look at it maybe halfway through and certainly at the end. But that was my predictions for the Western Conference. Warriors, Rockets, Thunder, Spurs, Clippers, Timberwolves, Jazz, Blazers make the playoffs. Memphis, Denver, New Orleans, Sacramento, Lakers, Dallas, and Phoenix all back in the lottery. So 
There we go. We'll see how it goes. We've got more podcasts coming up this week. Thank you so much for listening to Locked on Kings. We thank you for subscribing. Find it on iTunes each and every day. It's free on-demand content for you. Um, Audio Boom, Google Play, Stitcher, all the regular places to find it. Tell a friend. Let's keep these numbers growing. They really have done a great job of that. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.